Our Old Testament reading is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, beginning at verse 7, and going on to 14. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob, shout for the foremost of the nations, make your praises heard and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them forth from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labor. A great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble. Because I am Israel's father, and Epaphram is my firstborn son. Hear the words of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will deliver Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord. The grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, the young of the flocks and herds, they will be like well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Then the young women will dance and be glad, young men and old men as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy the priests with abundance, and my people will be filled with my bounty." declares the Lord. The Holy Gospel is written in that according to St. Luke in the 18th chapter, beginning to read at the 35th verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And all the people saw it, they also praised God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Please receive the sermon. The theologian Michael Wilkins uh, explains that Jericho was an important place during the time of Jesus. He says that the road from the Jordan River crossing to Jerusalem passed through it. So it became a stopping place for Galilean pilgrims to Jerusalem. And Jesus likely passed through Jericho often. 
Now, in New Testament times, the city of Jericho, uh, most noted, was not the ancient declining city of the Old Testament of the story of Joshua. But a more recent development surrounding a huge palace complex first built by the Hasmodeans on a three-acre site about a mile south of the ancient city mound. Now, if you're wondering who the Hasmodeans are, that's the, the ruling dynasty in Judea before the Roman-installed Herodians. Now, this background information might be the key to ironing out the perplexing observation that while Luke describes this healing taking place as Jesus drew near Jericho, the eyewitness gospel of Matthew says that it happened as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, Matthew 20:29. Mark's gospel, based upon the testimony of the apostle Peter, and used by both Matthew and Luke as one of their sources, likewise says that the incident happened as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. Mark 10, 46. So, is Luke deliberately contradicting Mark? Well, that seems rather unlikely. And knowing that there were two Jerichos located close together suggests that perhaps the miracle took place as Jesus was traveling between the two sites, going out of one Jericho and approaching the other. That said, Stanley Porter argues that the important verb engizo in Luke 18.35 speaks not of motion, but of location. In other words, engizo means to be in the vicinity of, rather than to draw near to. Hence, Luke's point is simply that Jesus was not far from Jericho when he worked the miracle. Readers of the parallel accounts in Matthew and Mark may also have their curiosity piqued by the fact that while Luke and Mark only mention one blind man, whom Mark names as Bartimaeus, i.e. the son of Timaeus, Mark 10.46, Matthew says that Jesus healed two blind men. However, mentioning only the most prominent of several figures is a compositional device frequently used in ancient writings. The accounts are not contradictory, but contribute different details. Matthew mentions two blind men, while Mark and Luke refer to the more prominent of the two, whom Mark actually identifies. Indeed, the fact that Mark names Bartimaeus probably indicates that he was a known figure in the early church. In light of Professor Richard Borkham's work on uh, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses, a very good book, the fact that Bartimaeus is both named in the account and mentioned at both ends of the passage may act as sort of ancient quotation marks. They didn't have quotation marks in the language then, uh, indicating that Bartimaeus himself was the oral source behind Mark's report. Borkham concludes that Mark could expect his readers to know of Bartimaeus as a kind of living miracle, uh, 
and that Bartimaeus will have been telling his story to anyone who'd listened, doubtless, from the start. Moreover, this story contains just the sort of vividness of narration that indicates an eyewitness report. Uh, Have a look at uh, Mark 10.50 when you have a moment. This being so, we have not only the first century testimony of all three synoptic gospels for Jesus' healing blindness at Jericho, including the eyewitness testimony of Matthew, but we probably have the eyewitness testimony of one of the men whose eyes Jesus healed. From his response to the news that Jesus was passing by, it's clear that Bartimaeus sees what many with sight cannot see. That Jesus is not just a notorious rabbi, but the son of David, the Messiah. The one who comes to save his broken remnant people, to lead them home from exile. A great company of people from everywhere, just like the crowd that Bartimaeus hears, heading off up the Jericho Road for the Passover in Jerusalem. A people which would include, as Jeremiah prophesied, the blind. So, Bartimaeus calls upon Jesus as Messiah, son of David, to open his eyes. Indeed, Bartimaeus is the only person in Luke's Gospel to address Jesus as son of David. Jesus' response clearly endorses Bartimaeus' judgment whilst providing evidence of its truth through a miraculous healing that fulfills messianic prophecy. Jesus' response also says something about his take on what it means to be Messiah, expressing his messianic nature in an act of service that the crowd regards as beneath his dignity. Remember them trying to shush Bartimaeus up. It's tempting to think that Bartimaeus' request that Jesus enables him to see is such an obvious one for a blind man to make that Jesus is being rather obtuse when he asks, what do you want me to do for you? I think Jesus is treating him as an individual rather than as a disabled person. As 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Moreover, Kenneth Bailey explains that in Middle Eastern society, beggars kind of provide a service to the wealthy, wishing to demonstrate their piety with alms to the poor. His blindness is his qualification his livelihood. And to follow Jesus and receive his sight is actually to throw away his only means of support that he's ever known. Thus, as Andrew Shaw writes, Bartimaeus' example helps us to see that faith or trust in the person of Jesus combines 
costly commitment as well as intellectual assent to who Jesus is. Bartimaeus didn't just believe truths about Jesus being the Messiah. He, he kind of believed into Jesus. He trusted him to the extent that he was willing to trust him for his future by giving up his livelihood. As a blind man, Bartimaeus would have been exempt from the duty of going up to Jerusalem for the pilgrim festivals. So it's interesting to note that having been healed or saved, it's the same word, by Jesus, Bartimaeus joins Jesus and the other pilgrims along the road to Jerusalem. Jesus tells Bartimaeus that his faith has healed him. This doesn't mean that the man's faith created the cure, but that it was the means by which he received the cure. In other words, being healed demonstrated that Bartimaeus' faith in Jesus was well placed. Contrary to the mischievous claim of today's so-called new atheists, Christian faith is not to be equated with blind faith. Christianity isn't a matter of ignorance, but of knowledge. As the Christian philosopher J.P. Morland helpfully reminds us, Christianity claims to be a knowledge tradition. And it places knowledge at the centre of proclamation and discipleship. Bartimaeus shows us that knowing Jesus is a journey that, that intertwines knowledge and a purposive response. Bartimaeus had clearly heard enough about Jesus to form a determination to act upon the basis of the knowledge that he had. And acting on that knowledge led to an increased knowledge of Jesus. And in the literal and metaphorical light of that increased knowledge, having met Jesus and been healed by him in response to his acclamation of him as Messiah, Bartimaeus followed Jesus on the road to Jerusalem, and all that the coming events of the Passion would teach him about who the son of David really was. May we all have eyes to see and to follow Jesus in the footsteps of blind Bartimaeus. Amen.